0: Welcome into the DNVR Buffs Podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we're keeping it going with the list today. We've been uh, making a bunch of lists on this podcast. Been talking about other lists a lot on this podcast. Uh, like I said, you know that's uh that's not that's not ending today. Um, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, USA Today Sports put out basically like an updated top 25 rankings. Um, or sorry, not top 25. It's like top 130 rankings for college football. And, uh, that's the entire country. So we're going to run through what they had to say about the different teams in the PAC 12. Um, mostly just because there were some differences here. There are actually some pretty big differences in this compared with, uh, some of the other ones we talked about earlier this week, you know, from John Wilner, uh, from CBS sport or no, do they have a, they had something kind of different, but, um, um, yeah, a little bit different perception here from USA Today. Also, in the second half of the podcast, uh, I went through and just ranked who the most likely candidates are for breakout seasons for CU. And uh, we I guess we can get into like what the criteria was when we get to that point. Um, but basically guys who haven't seen the field all that much who I think will get a decent opportunity and have the talent and brains and all that sort of stuff to to take advantage of it. So, uh, yeah, that's the plan for today. Um, like I said, starting out with these USA Today rankings. Uh, it, was, it was another day with no news. Um, no news at all. I, here's what I will say, actually. Pat Rooney had a story... Uh where he, he talked to Tad Boyle, and Tad basically said that when it comes to Jabari, things are not any different than they were, uh, whatever, a couple months ago. Now, the, the reason that's noteworthy is because Jabari's dad went to the ESPN NBA draft guy and basically said Jabari is not going back to school. Um, and because of that, obviously, people assumed Jabari's not going back to school, I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast wait and see mode with Jabari and Pat Rooney's report kind of came in and backed that same thing up. It's uh it's good news. It's good news. Um so so we'll continue our Jabari watch that is not close to being done yet. Ooh, I guess I didn't say yet that he's headed to the NBA combine. That was assumed. Um I'm actually not sure. I think it's about 100 people wind up being invited to the Combine. Um, so, again, if if you're a fringe draft pick, you know, which means fringe top 60, this year I think there's a couple teams that forfeited picks. So it's like fringe top 58. You should definitely be in that top 100. So I guess you still say congrats to Jabari, um, but it doesn't come as much as of, of a surprise. Uh, other piece of news there is that David Roddy of CSU, also got invited to the Combine. So there's the two Colorado representatives. Um, Cool. That is it for news. That is absolutely it for news. Um, We can jump in here. Sorry, I'm still getting these, uh, like, notifications about the Jerry Judy thing. Um, But we're not digging into that because... If I forget to put an allegedly somewhere, I can get sued. So, not touching that. Um, Jumping in with this USA Today stuff. Uh, So, like I said, this is a top 130 ranking. It goes through every team in the country. And, I mean, it's good for the Pac-12 because sometimes when we're talking about the top 25 preseason rankings... Not much to talk about, but top 130 it does have all these teams. Um, we're we're gonna focus in on the Pac-12. You know, number one was Clemson. Number two's Alabama. You you can imagine how a lot of that stuff went. Um, but in terms of the Pac-12 teams, like I said, they're not necessarily all in the order that you would expect. Um, the the top ranked Pac-12 team, we might as well just jump in. Number seven, Utah. Um, I like it. You know, is seven kind of high? Potentially. You know, they lose Devin Lloyd. Um, that's that's kind of the major loss. They lose like another linebacker, a couple other pieces, but the majority of that core is still back. I guess you lose Britton Covey as well. Um Those are guys who I I want to say like you're not losing anything, but finding replacements and, and expecting growth at other positions. Uh, yeah, continuing to be a top ten team, that's not. Crazy to me. Uh, next top, uh, the the number two Pac-12 team is Oregon at number seventeen. Um, again, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, they do have some turnover, um, but but I mean, it's basically good stuff, right? You lose the secondary, lose Kayvon Thibodeau. Those those are big losses. You have those young linebackers who are going to take another step probably most talented part of the team. You bring in Bo Nix, who should be a major upgrade at quarterback, even if he is a pretty average, above average quarterback at the end of the day. Um, Second best Pac-12 team, I like it. Number three from the Pac-12, at number 20, just a few spots behind Oregon, UCLA. That's, uh, in my opinion, a bit of a stretch. You know, I, I don't mind UCLA as, like, a, a fringe top 25 team. Um, they're, they're explosive. They are they have a bunch of continuity. Um, they, they have probably the best running back in the Pac-12. Like, there's, there's definitely parts that you like. Ahead of some of these other teams surprises me, though. And, uh, well, let's keep going. Next up, big jump here from number 20 to number 47 for the fourth best Pac-12 team. That's Stanford. Stanford. I think that this is probably building off of some of that Tanner McKee hype. Uh, you know, Tanner McKee, Stanford's quarterback. He, uh, there'll be, I, I think he's actually already draft eligible, but he's now being looked at as, you know, a, a big time draft prospect for next season. Um, a potential, you know, top 10 first round type of player. So I, I get that part. And I guess when you run a pro style system, obviously quarterbacks are important. They, they lose, I think one running back or two the top two running backs I can't remember off the top of my head um but you know I, I've said before I don't expect Stanford to be as bad as they were last year getting up to number four in the Pac-12 that's a that's a leap that's a leap you may notice the team is sliding that's the number five Pac-12 team here USC like I said sliding it number five number 51 in the country that's too low that's too low um are they a top 25 team? Honestly, maybe, you know, I'd probably have them in front of UCLA. You know, I think that if you had USC at 22 and UCLA at 26, yeah, I think, I think that would kind of make some sense. Um, I'm curious why they have USC so low. I guess they don't have Jordan Addison yet. We're all just kind of assuming that's where the, the wide receiver of the year winner, the Blitnikoff winner from last year is going to wind up, but who knows? Um, they they added a bunch of talent though and sure there's some turnover but it's all good turnover you know and like i've said before is is this a team that's going to be in the college football playoff i'd be surprised but when you look at all the I mean, the reason they aren't is probably just because you have so much turnover because so many things are changing and and early in the season are you going to be able to to win every game you play because that's how tough it is to get in that's a big ask I do think, though, that despite having all that turnover, they're they're a much better team, and they should be much higher than number 51. Number 53, the number six team from the Pac-12, Washington. A little trend here, right? I guess what? That's one, two, three, four of the top seven. Yeah, four of the top seven. Did I get that math right? I might not have. Yeah, no, no. The So it's pretty even split between Pac-12 North, Pac-12 South. That was really tough. I guess you see the Pac-12 North run kind of come right after this. Uh, but Washington, number 53, only a couple spots behind USC. And again, like, that, this is one where I feel like that's a fine place to put them. Um Obviously, I have the potential, new head coach, great offensive mind. Um, on top of that you know they're always going to have talent up there but they were they were down in the dumps last year. That was a bad football team last year. Um so how how good are they? I don't know. Like I'm not sure if they have the the ability to climb into that top 25. But seeing there at number 53, yeah. That's a that's a nice fair place to put them. Number 77. The number 7 team from the Pac-12. That is Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State, you know, they bring back BJ Baylor, and that's probably something we aren't talking about enough. You know, if Zach Charbonnet isn't the best running back in the Pac-12, BJ Baylor probably is. Um, he puts up big numbers, and he's going to be the focal point. You know, quarterback comes back with a, a year of experience now. Um, not much for weapons, like like pretty average team, honestly. Which is again, they're they're building to that point, but now they are. A pretty just solid Pac 12 team. And again, you want to slide them in at number 77, maybe a little bit low. I probably have that a little bit low. I think more like 65 makes sense, 60 makes sense. But yeah, we're splitting hairs here. In terms of where they fit into the conference, I think they're right. Uh, five spots down there, number 82. This is the eighth team from the Pac 12. That's Cal. Uh, you know, I, I personally. Actually, you know what? 82 might be about right. I I don't know. I, I almost think that the Pac-12 is just kind of being slighted here a little bit. Like, you just bump everybody up a few spots. Um, maybe USC gets a big jump. Stanford gets knocked down a little bit. Then then we're we're in the right zone. But, I mean, I, I get, you know, you don't like the Cal offense. You don't like the Cal offense. You like the Cal defense. I think that probably balances it out. And, again, it's a pretty average team. You know, if there's 130 on this list put them at 65, maybe 70, 82 is a a little low, but again, splitting hairs here. Next up, number 88, Arizona state. It's the number nine team in the PAC 12. That's a, that's an interesting place for them. I think, I think any place would be right. If you want to put them at number 65 and say, you know what? It's college football. Turnover happens. They're going to be able to keep doing what they're doing. I, I would hear that argument. I would disagree. I think that they're going to really struggle this year. But again, that's the other that's the other side of the coin. Is Could they actually just be number 110, 115 out of 130? I think that that's on the table with all the talent they lost. I think, I mean, just the amount of turnover we're seeing in college football right now, it makes it hard to predict these sorts of things just because we haven't been able to, we don't have much information to back it up. You know, we've seen teams lose what they lose, like, 12 starters or something like that, maybe even more than that. Like we've seen things like that happen before, but what we haven't seen is that many players lost when typically there's like 6 or 5 4 whatever starters leaving from every team. So this is I nothing could surprise me when it comes to Arizona State, but I would have them lower than this. Um in particular I'd have them behind Washington State. Washington State is the number 10 team on this list at number 95. Um, they lose Jaden Delora. Um, I mean, I mean, they lose Max Borgie too. Honestly, that might be, I, that's a bigger loss than, than Delora is. But I also, I mean, maybe they, maybe they do belong behind Arizona state. It, it is a little bit cramped down here. I'll say that when we get to this part of the list, number 11, second to last team in the pack 12 Arizona. Uh Arizona went one and eleven last year. Didn't win a game the year before that. They're uh they're really, really, really bad. Um, but they have the recruiting attraction that they have. They they actually picked up Jaden Delora, uh Washington State's former quarterback. They're we've had this talk before. They're trending up, but I mean uh, I I mean I guess in the list, they're not Speaking too highly of them. Number 108 in the country. Do they really need to be 120? I don't know. But that's probably close to where I'd put them at this point. Um, They are in front of the last place team, according to this list in the Pac-12. That's Colorado at number 113. Um, It's low, right? 113 out of 130? We'll see. I mean, uh, things need to go well for them to... Kind of improve upon this to crack that top 100, right? You know when we look at what happened last year, if if they just kind of continue this trend that they're on, um, factor in the losses, factor in the additions, factor in the coaching changes, it's easy to see this team as a you know bottom 30 team. Um, they do need to get some lucky breaks. you know Brendan Lewis needs to take a step or JT Shrout needs to be significantly better than Brendan is. You know, if you if one of those things happens, then, yeah, you could be talking about the, you know, number 100 team. or Maybe cracking that top 100. You throw in, oh, Ramon Jefferson, the the running back you signed from Sam Houston. He he turns out to be solid. Well, then maybe that gets you from 100 to 90, or 100 to 85. Um, you throw in, oh, the offensive line actually is, like, it's a legitimate offensive line. You know, might be one of the worst yeah, one of the bottom tier lines in the in the Pac-12, or, or sorry, in the uh, Power Five, but still, they belong. You're not looking at them saying like, "What is up?" Then maybe that gets you from, you know, that 85 to 75 or 70, and then you say like, "Oh, these young corners, they're they're really looking up. They they're doing a great job." That gets you to 60, you know, and then the the new coaches they really know what they're doing everybody in general is getting coached up the the offense is being run well by Mike Sanford that gets you up to fifty and so you can kind of see like if everything's kind of status quo is one thirteen a fair ranking it eh, might be a couple spots low might be a couple spots low um, because you really are when you look at this Colorado team saying like okay we need to we need these things to go right you know and it's kind of 50-50, are are, are we going to overperform here? And, you know, again, I think it's possible. I think that any one of these situations you look at individually, is Ramon Jefferson going to be good? I think there's a chance he's one of the top five, six running backs in the Pac-12. Need it to happen, though, right, if if they're going to have, like, a bowl type of season. And so when you're going through this and saying, like, oh, 50-50 proposition here, 50-50 here, 50-50 here, 50-50 here, and you need to hit seven of those ten to get into, you know, top, 70 75 teams oh well, then i mean the the odds are against that right um so there's the list there's what usa today thinks of the pack 12 in terms of just generally like i said i think utah utah at number seven that's probably a little generous they're probably more like a number 12 sort of team um you know, USC at number 54, that's a that's a little low. They're probably more like a 25 sort of team. I uh, I think, in general, it's just that middle of the pack that kind of gets underrated overall. when in All the time, when we talk about the Pac-12. Um, but, you know, all you can do is go win those games and start to change the minds. You know, Stanford might have been just a little bit high. Um, but then the others are a little bit low. So... I don't have big beef with these rankings. I think there are a lot of things they got right. Um, I don't. I I think that they're probably a little bit lower on the Pac-12 than I am. But I also know that that's true of most people. (laughs) Um, So, so maybe I'm the one who's wrong. But uh, yeah, there's those. Like I said, we've got to get into these breakout candidates for CU in this upcoming football season. Real quick though, Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. Um, You know, I've actually been slacking. I'm not going to drink another Breckenridge beer until Monday when the Avs start the second round of the playoffs, but I'll be at the game regardless of who it is. That game starts, I guess, it's still two hours before the Wild and Blues play. Um, But I will tell you that on Monday, I'll be drinking a lot of Breckenridge beers. Between now and then, I can't make any promises. Although, I mean, you know how weekends go. All of a sudden, you're sitting down at some bar somewhere and asking if they have Strawberry Skies. So, uh, it could be Strawberry Skies, Avalanche. Always drink the Avalanche at the Avalanche Games. It just makes sense. Even this time of year when you're not at Avalanche Games, drink those because it makes sense. It's Avalanche season. Uh, But... Uh, You really can't go wrong regardless. You can go down to the farmhouse to get a great meal. You can use the beer locator on their website to see what beers they have near you. They're in, I don't like two years ago, they were in 30 states. I haven't heard how many they're in now. I would imagine it's more, right? I'd be very surprised if it's less. But wherever you are, you can probably get those. And we appreciate you if you do. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I didn't make any bets today either. Usually that's part of the routine. I've been in this weird... I, I'm not used to the off season yet. i got to figure out what I do in the offseason. But I'm going to have to go through and, and make a couple bets here. The Wild tonight, I feel like that's the move. Just feels like a series that's going to go seven games. Plus, they're pulling Flurry tonight and putting in whoever the backup is. I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember his name. But uh, that's been kind of the move for teams that flurry has been on. It's basically whenever they pull him... They go on to win the series. So it's probably I mean, I don't even poll might not even be the right word. It might be more of a rest night. But point is big game. I think it goes seven. Wilder gonna make some money. Uh for, for me at least. And uh then we'll see what happens on Saturday to decide who's here in Denver on Monday. But that's not the point. Ooh. If you're looking to sign up, sign up and use the code DMVR because if you do that, you can put $5 on any team to win any NBA playoff game. You'll get $150 in free bets if you're right. It's an awesome way to start off your account. And uh, why not jump in and join us all because we're having a good time. Uh, Once again, that is code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, Make sure you download the app now. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um... Into this list, and this is a list that I made, which means that I, for the most part, agree with it. Um, it's been like an hour or so since I sat down and, and wrote all this out, and so opinions change. So maybe I'll start reading this and say I'm dumb. Uh, but these are the top 10 breakout candidates on the CU Buffs 2022 football roster. Um, in terms of criteria, I mostly just pick guys who, who haven't played really at all. Um, there's some who've played a little bit. Uh, most, maybe most of them, most of them have played at least a little bit. But for the most part, we're staying away from guys like, um, bu- 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 you know, Casey Roddick. You know, I think Casey Roddick is going to take a really big step this year and kind of solidify himself as one of the best offensive linemen in the Pac-12. He's played so much though that eh, that's that's not what this list is. This is a list of guys who haven't played all that much. Um, so I want to throw that in there. And uh, with that, might as well jump in. Uh, we're going to go reverse order because it's way more fun. Um, and at number 10, we've got Marvin Ham. Uh, Marvin Ham has not spent too much time on the field. Got a little bit of run last year because of the injuries to the linebackers. Probably fits in best as a strong side linebacker. We'll see what the the buffs do with him. Um, but, you know, I, I he's a junior this year, I believe. Let me double-check that. I talk, of, No, he's still only a sophomore. These COVID years mess me up. Redshirt sophomore, which means he was on campus last year as a freshman. Year before that didn't count. Year before that, he was there as a redshirt. So he's going into year four, and he's a redshirt sophomore. It's crazy. But uh, I do think that there's a real chance that he can break through, especially because... You know, you look at Robert Barnes and say, you're good in coverage for a linebacker. In terms of playing the running game, eh, we'll see. We'll see how you've improved, you know. Quinn Perry, you know, you're good playing the run game as as a linebacker. In terms of coverage, eh, plenty to beat it. We'll see where you've improved, again. Marvin Ham has the tools to be a really good linebacker. It's just putting those pieces together and doing it. And uh, I think he's going to get the opportunities this year. You know, Josh hiller Tomato maybe that throws a bit of a, a wrench in things, but I still think he's going to get his time on the field. And uh, as a fourth-year sophomore, we'll see what happens. Uh, number nine, Daniel Arias. And this is kind of the one exception to the rule. He's He did play quite a bit last year, and he's been in and out for a couple years. But just given the way the coaches have talked about him um, and the fact that he really hasn't produced all that much in the last few years when he has been on the field, he makes the list. Um, and, you know, I think the coaches would probably have him up a little bit higher on this list just based on the conversations that I've had. To me, uh, he's down here a little bit further. Uh, just because, you know, it seems like we, we've gone through this cycle before where he's big and fast. You know, DK Metcalf Jr. Still waiting for everything to click. Now, I do think that having a receivers coach like Phil McGagan that that changes things. You know, it, I think that when you look at all these sorts of situations where you say, okay, you haven't done it in the past, what's going to be different this time? It, it's a lot of the time tough to find an answer. It's like, ah, things just click, whatever that means. Uh, when you look at Daniel Arias, you say, well, you have Phil McGaggin there. And maybe he's just a, a coach who can get through and and clean up a couple of things. And all of a sudden, you're talking about a dominant football player. Um, so, there we go. Number eight, Torrin Pittman. You know, Torrin Pittman, he's actually only been on campus for let's see, so 2020 and 2021. It would be those two years. Because he was in that Mel Tucker recruiting class. Um very good prospect you know. coming out as a DB. Versatile prospect. Played safety the last couple years but is now listed as a cornerback which is one of the reasons that I decided to include him here. Um, He's been a really good special teamer. He spent a lot of time out there on special teams but he hasn't gotten to play really any defense at all so we're, we're kind of flying in blind here. What I'll say is this. The fact that they moved him to corner I think that I mean, the thought process had to be, you know, he's six foot four. We've got some small corners. Let's see if this guy can go out there and guard big guys. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that that's something that he's pretty good at. On top of that, though, I think that anytime there's a position change, you know, it's like that Daniel Arias thing where it's like, okay, you haven't done it before. Why should I think you can do it now? It's like, well, because they had him playing in the wrong position before. Now, it could be that safety's his best bet. Who knows? But the change does give you reason to think that he could have a bit of a breakthrough. You know, he's one who's really hard to project this season. You know, uh, him and Jalen Stryker in that secondary, it's tough to say where they fit in. Because either one of them you could easily see being starters. Either one of them you could easily see not being included in in the game plan. You know, so Torin Pittman, big-time upside, still a young player. Um... You know, only a year older than Caleb Moore and Nico Reed, and who knows who knows what he's going to look like, but he definitely provides something that's needed to that cornerback's room. Um, number seven, Eric Olson. Uh, Eric Olson fits in here for a bunch of reasons. Um, first of all, he, he was a lock to make the list, right? I mean, the start he had to camp, the, the scrimmage he had, the first scrimmage of camp, so much to like there. The reason he's not up higher, first of all, spring game, a little quiet. A little quiet in the spring game. Made a couple mistakes blocking. Um, but also, you know, his best case scenario, he's probably a number two tight end, right? And so how big can the breakthrough really be? Um, it could still be solid. Like, if he turns out to be an incredible football player, they'll run two tight end sets, and he'll be able to rack up decent numbers. But, you know, there's, there's other guys in this program who could be in line for real starting roles on the field every snap, and those guys get in front. Um, number six is Austin Smith. These two have to be right next to each other. I mean, I I was like, is it kind of lazy to put two tight ends right next to each other? It's like, how else what what else would you do? The other option is to put a slash there because either one of them could break out. So, you know, he's uh we've talked about this before. The reason I, I give him this slightest of edges is just because I think when long term, when when he's at his best at Colorado, he's probably not Spending all that much time as an inline tight end. It's like one of those big slot receivers. They'll move him around and take advantage of mismatches and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he will, I mean, he is a tight end. But I think that the receiving aspect is what you bank on with him. And because of that, you're willing to kind of put him into that role a little bit before an Eric Olsen who might need to still clean up the blocking, for example. Um, I think, I guess, long term. Eric Olson is probably a more well-rounded prospect, at least looking at the situation today. Austin Smith might have fewer limitations early on because you know he does what he does. Um, now that is kind of banking on him being a better receiver than Eric Olson right now, which might be a bad bet. Um, that's kind of the crux of. of the way i look at things i guess um but austin smith does fit in at number six just with the slightest of edges just because there has to be an order i'm not putting ties in my list that'd be lazy um number five alvin williams um this is another tough one to place and the reason you know i'm very high on alvin williams honestly the two Williamses on defense those might be the two guys i'm like "Eh, buy stock there these are going to be really good football players. You know, with Alvin Williams and then Mr. Williams, inside linebacker. The trouble is, how do they get on the field? Uh, and that's why he's not number one. But with Alvin, you know, he was working with that second unit in the spring game. Now, you you bring back... uh Guy was out there. Was Jamar out there? Joshka wasn't out there. Um Terrence wasn't out there, and they now play basically the same position, which is wild. But, uh, you know, we'll see where he actually fits in after all this, um, after those guys get healthy, whatever. But I do think that he's so talented, they're going to try to find a way to get him on the field. And uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm all in. I, I think this is a really good football player here, and I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, number four, Ty Robinson. Ty Robinson is... uh. You know, the, the, I'll say this right now. You know, number three is Chase Penry. And the reason Chase Penry gets the edge is because he's a slot receiver. And it's not just because the Buffs need a slot receiver more than they need another guy outside. It's because I think that some of the slot responsibilities are easier to handle early on. And I pause there just because, you know, there is a lot of it that's feeling out the coverages and, and knowing where to be and being able to think the game. And some of that comes with time. But when you're talking about the guys on the outside... You know what happens when Ty Robinson goes up against Torn Pittman. You know Ty Robinson was a really good basketball player in high school. He's a jump ball sort of guy, and he can do other stuff as well. But it's it's going to be those flashy catches, or if he really catches on at CU, it's because he's able to go up over guys and and make big plays on top of doing everything else well. What happens when he goes up against Torn Pittman? You know, is he is he big enough and strong enough and and long enough and refined enough to be making those plays right now? I'm not sure. And and again, like we're talking very slim margins. Um, but why is Chase Penry ahead of Ty Robinson? That that's why. I do think, though, obviously, obviously, I'm really excited to see both of them. I think both of them have a really great chance of breaking out this season. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's a deep, competitive room. Um, number two, Jaylee Stacks. Jaylee Stacks, um, for a couple different reasons. The big one is just that. You know, we got a taste of him last year. He played some fullback last year. Generally, things went well when that happened. Now you expect things to go better, and you expect him to get used more, just because he should be more refined. He should be ready for that. You throw in the fact that there's an offensive coordinator who's more willing to to throw the ball to to a fullback, and that factors in as well. Um, so so we talk about the kind of the year to year growth. That's that's those first two pieces. You know, he's going to get he's going to be on the field more he's going to be a little bit better when he's on the field that bumps you up a little bit but then there's also the coaching growth and I think that that really impacts him in that he will now be included in plays and that's kind of the multiplier here on top of that you know they're thin at running back you could totally see him fitting in as you know that number three back is probably his ceiling you would guess number three assuming everybody's healthy but I mean knock on wood as we say it but How often do all of your running backs stay healthy all the way through a season? So in a pinch, could he wind up being your number two back, your number one back? For sure. For sure. Um, So there's a bunch of opportunity there. Again, I think that he has a a, a talent. I I think that it's a talent that the Buffs are going to use, and that's why he fits in at number two on this list. Uh, Number one, Trevor Woods. Uh, Trevor Woods playing free safety back there. I mean, there, there's a bunch of factors. A lot of them are kind of out of his control. You know, first of all, the we're talking about the big breakouts, who could make these big leaps. Here's a guy who he played a little bit last season because of injuries, but he got hurt himself, and that took him off the field, and so he really didn't play all that much last year. So so the, the bottom is low. The, the ceiling, though, is fairly high just because I mean, he's a talented guy. He can pick off passes and all that. But the floor this year is pretty high as well just because you look at the situation and say, he's going to be out on that field. Like, he's, he's not guaranteed the starting job, but right now, I mean, if, if he's not the starting free safety, it's because Jalen Stryker, who's played cornerback the last two years and hasn't seen the field, has, has taken that job from him. And Jalen Stryker is probably more of a slot. You know, Jeremy Mack, the transfer who played Juco ball last year, as a true freshman. Could he come in and take that job? Like, oh, it's possible. It's possible. But when you really look at who's most likely to be on the field at that position, it's easily Trevor Woods. I guess you throw Dylan Dixon in there. Um, and I mean, if we're throwing freshman, why not Xavier Smith? Um, both those guys, you know, Dylan Dixon, the top recruit for CU, show up over the summer. Um, Trevor Woods has a great path to playing time. And and. Also, on top of that, is really talented. He's a ball hawk. He knows how to play that deep middle. And I think that everything kind of conjoins for him to be in a great situation while also being a really talented, smart player. Um, so, he's number one on this list. Um, running through some of the names that aren't included, um, there were some tough ones. You know, Devin Grant missed the list. Yeah, um, I think that I think that he's just edged out a little bit by Alvin Williams right now. And it's a deep position. It's tough to see the field, but but he's just on the outside. Um, Josh Gugustov, you know, he's he's in a similar position, but has spent a little bit more time on the field in the past, and so that kind of takes him out of this category a little bit. So he's he's off the list, but a name worth considering. Uh, I brought up Mr. Williams again. They're just stacked at inside linebacker. Getting an opportunity there is going to be tough. Um, that's why Marvin Ham gets that last spot on the list while Mister's just off of it. Um, offensive lineman, you know, Austin Johnson, Noah Fenske. That was a tough one. A- at one point, I had those guys as like two and three. At one point, I had him Noah Fenske slash Austin Johnson at number four. It-, it was it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Um, the reason I left him off is because, well, first of all, it's 50-50 they get on the field, right? So when you're trying to think of all this, you look at a guy like, you know, Eric Olsen. It's like, what are his odds? I guess I guess that's kind of 50 too. is that second tight end um, with Austin Smith there. So I guess maybe I bumped him off a little bit too far for that. But uh, on, they're both good players. I, I do think that, and they're smart. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I should have included him. You know what? In hindsight, I probably should have thrown him in. Where would I throw them in, though? Whew. I feel like if you include them, you have to put them up toward the top. Because they have great opportunities and they're talented guys. But we'll see. I guess if you throw them in at like two and three, maybe maybe three and four, right up in front of Chase Penry and Ty Robinson, behind Trevor Woods and Jaylee Stacks, bump Daniel Arias and Marvin Hamoff, that's probably better. That's probably how I should have done it. Tommy Brown was another tough one because he really hasn't played all that much either. But he's also a senior. It's like, uh, where does he fit in? Honestly, if we're talking about breakthrough seasons, breakout play, but being a backup at Bama, if you're the number seven lineman at Bama, where does that put the standards when you go to CU? You know, is he really outperforming expectations? Is he breaking through? So he's another tough one. Just like how, how depends on how you think about it. You know, Robert Barnes, if if he becomes a well-rounded three down linebacker, that'd be, that probably count as a breakout. That probably counts as a breakout, but, uh, again, just off. Jalen Stryker mentioned him. He's just off. It was a tough thing to do. Obviously, when you have this much turnover, a lot of guys getting a lot of opportunities to to grow. Um, but I guess just to close things out, run through this list again. Number one, Trevor Woods. Number two, Jaylee Stacks. Number three, Chase Penry. Number four, Ty Robinson. Number five, Alvin Williams. Number six, Austin Smith. Number seven, Eric Olson. Number eight, Torren Pittman. Number nine, Daniel Arias. Number ten, Marvin Ham. There we go. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow to close out the week. Not sure what we're talking about, but As always, probably another list. Probably keep going with the list. Um, But that's going to do it for today. See you guys tomorrow.